Welcome to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network, hosted by Pete Lutz. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied by an adult. Welcome to the Sonic Society with me, David Alt. I'm afraid this is a recorded announcement because we're all out at the moment, celebrating Jack Ward's birthday. But before then... Hello and welcome to the Sonic Society. I'm your host, Jack Ward. You know, I told David Alt that I would be here to record the show this week, but I know for a fact that he's out at my retro Golden Age podcast audio drama party. So I thought... But before we launch straight into our show, I've got to remind you about Nadsrim. And unfortunately, Jack is... I want to make sure that you knew that Nadsrim is well underway, and I'm deeply into the first episode of Philip the Graves. And as long as... But unfortunately, Jack can't be here to be able to say anything about Nadsrim at the moment. Nobody tries to call in. This recorded message will play exactly as broadcast time. But of course, if you just leave us a message, then we'll try and get back to you as soon as possible. And nothing will go wrong. I'm sorry, Jack. I can't let you do that. Tonight on my birthday show... Stop, Jack. I'm sorry. Stop. It takes seven years for the show to fall exactly so I'm going to go Tonight we're pleased to play the first episode of the new Icebox radio series, Radio Icebox. JJ! What? I heard shots. Oh, were these they? What are you doing? Sound effects. Cool, huh? You gave me a heart attack. Tell me, which of these sounds realistic without being dire? The Uzi or the 12 gauge? I thought the play you were working on was a sensitive coming of age story. And it is. So our hero finds true love at gunpoint? No, no, this isn't for the play. Oh, that's a relief. I need to call Barb and tell her not to come down to the theater, but if I just do that, she'll never, never listen. listen. Yeah, so I figure I'll tell her we're in lockdown on account of a crazed gunman. Now, which of these explosions says, remain safely in your home without contacting the authorities? Hold it. Why are you doing this? Didn't you hear me? I said Barb was coming down to the theater. Barb always comes down to the theater. And I always don't want her to, so I figured, come up with a plan. Why don't you want her to come down to the theater? Why would I? She's bossy. She's overbearing, and she... she... Yes? She scares me a little. Ah, oh, big grown man like you, frightened by an old woman. Old woman? She ran the Rainy Lake Triathlon last year and didn't stop talking the entire time, including the swimming portion. What is it about Barb? Her plays? No, no, her plays are fine. <laughs> really? Okay, her plays are terrible, but that's not the point. She's not a bad writer, she's just a little over-enthusiastic. The woman types at 90 words a minute. I once saw her produce a soap opera in the time it takes to brew coffee. Well, it seems to me, boss, that if we're going to run this little radio station and have an original play every single night, we're going to need Barb. Pardon me, but I thought I was station manager and you were the secretary. Administrative assistant. Oh. And when have we ever bothered with titles around here? Programming is my area. And fielding complaints is mine, which is why I'll quit if you don't keep to the schedule. 
You know, reality shows are very big on TV. We should try one of those. On radio? How would that work? Sneak a microphone into someone's house and switch it live? Uh, I smell lawsuit. Where's your sense of adventure? It occurs to me that a lawsuit might be a bit more trouble than simply dealing with Barb. How do we get back to her? Well, she's something you're going to have to deal with. Why? Because she just walked into the front hall. Oh. Abby, dear, have you seen James? I can't wait to... Oh, you are. Barb, I've told you a million times my name is not James. Of course. I have the manuscript. Neither J stands for James. My name is Jacob Jasper. Really? Don't you have some administration to assist? I have tonight's play. I have a slight sore throat, but you don't hear me complaining. I can't wait to see it. Is there a part for me? Of course. You are cattle heiress Rosa Bud. I never got to be an heiress before. Wait, where do I know that name? And you, JJ, shall play the cattle. Uh, can't. I'm needed in the control room. Cody needs me to calibrate the exciter. Uh, Don't be vulgar, dear. Besides, I need you for more than just the cattle. You are also dead cowboy number three. What? It's a very important role. Barb, did you tell me you were adapting a classic this week? It is. It's a classic. It's a reimagining of the mystery of Desmond Rood. You mean Edwin Drood? Uh, no, dear. This is the one by Charles Dickens. Why would a Dickensian novel need cattle and dead cowboys? I said reimagining. Cody has already made the announcement on air. I've had several neighbors and well-wishers say they're coming, so I must go see to the sets and costumes. Here are your scripts. Familiarize yourselves and be on the stage for the first read-through promptly at three. Three? The, the broadcast not until eight. Perfection cannot be rushed. I'm off to see about a cactus. I work hard, my little beavers. That's five hours of rehearsal. You had something better to do? Well, I wasn't lying about the exciter. Cody does all the engineering stuff around here. All you do is hand him tools and tell him stories. That's not true. Sometimes I get him a drink when he's thirsty. (laughs) You're a good little helper. Damn straight. Now some items of interest for the Icebox community. Pete Campbell, the self-proclaimed richest man in town, will be holding a How to Be the Richest Man in Town seminar this Saturday at the Opera House Main Auditorium. Participants in the seminar will learn all of Pete's secrets, including self-confidence, the road to riches, how to believe in yourself, how not to not believe in yourself, and the ever-popular it's all in your head, stupid. Pete promises to teach you how to become the richest man or woman in town and wants to assure everyone he's done this seminar numerous times before. Priority tickets are on sale now for $79.95. The Icebox Area Little League will begin holding tryouts this Saturday at the old elementary school field for the season to begin play in April. As is tradition here in Icebox, players are only eligible for the Little League if they are little in one of the following ways. Height, shoe size, age, index to middle finger ratio, voice pitch, or ear size. A complete chart with information on what league you may be eligible for is available at the front desk of City Hall. Teams are limited to only one homunculus per side. All right, everyone, let's settle down. It's nearly 3.15, and I hate starting late. We're only late because you were doing your makeup until two minutes ago. Because art cannot be rushed. Now, where's Cody? Hey, JJ, the exciter looks good. Excellent. Where have you been? Calibrating the exciter. 
your personal life is your own concern. For right now, here's your script and your costume. Costume? We're not doing radio plays anymore? Of course, but this play shall be a triumph. Your announcement today, Cody, well spoken, by the way, inspired several of my neighbors to actually attend tonight's performance, and they are telling all their friends. Because I was just planning to set us up in Studio B. Nope. We shall be on the stage. I'd better start setting up the chairs then. Oh, there's plenty of time for that. You don't understand. Those folding chairs are from the 40s. And a lot of those seats are rotten. Uh, not an uncommon problem in the theater. Uh, but, Cody, you're needed here on stage to play my hero in the mystery of Desmond Rood. Y- you mean the mystery of Edwin Drood? Why does everybody keep making that mistake? Um, excuse me? Cody? Yes, Jennifer? I got those cords all wrapped up and the stack cabinet closed. Thank you. Um, sorry, I don't think we've met. Oh, right. I'm Jen. I'm Cody's intern. He has an intern? How come he gets an intern? I don't know anything about this, Cody. She kind of volunteered, boss. Yeah, but we can't afford internships. It's unpaid. Forget whether or not we could afford internships. We didn't offer one. Hey, that's right. Interns don't just show up. This one did. I should explain. My family had a cabin down on Captogama. When the weather was right, we used to be able to get your station. I listened to it all the time when I was a kid. So you thought you'd just show up and offer your interning services? Guys, please. You're being rude. Uh, Speaking of rude, can we get back to the play? In a minute. Look, boss, there's way too much work for one engineer, and Jennifer studied electrical engineering before she switched over to nursing. You're a nurse? Almost. One term to go. I was working on that exciter, and she knocked on the door. I said, can I help you? And she said, you're using a five-eighths when you should be using metric. And they say romance is dead. So we got to talking, and she really knows a lot about radio. So you offered her an internship? I just, you know, I thought she could use our help. Help completing her nursing degree by working at a radio station? Uh, yes? Look, I'm really sorry. I just came to visit and thought maybe... Dear, that's fine. Don't give it another thought. Tell me, how do you feel about the theater? I'm in favor of it. Excellent. Can you read? Of course. Uh, Can you read in front of an audience? Oh, God, no. Terrible stage fright. Oh, well, very well. Uh, You may begin by setting up those folding chairs. Check them for rotten seats. Cody says it's a problem. Now, hold on just a Uh, second. James, Mm -hmm. I shall not have my rehearsal delayed another minute. Cody is obviously smitten with this charming young thing. And she's not costing the station a dime. She can set up folding chairs while we rehearse. Is that agreeable to everyone? Excellent. Let's get to work. Well, oh, no, uh, yeah, I okay, move I'm over sure here to sound effects. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, th- that's okay. I didn't think anyone was in the studio. It's my regular five to seven shift, dinner with jazz. Oh, you're a DJ? Yep. And handyman, janitor, theater director, ad sales. Oh, there was one more. There is? It's on the tip of my station manager. That's it. Wow, busy guy. Well, everyone else around here is just as busy. Sorry, did you uh, need something? or? Oh, Cody just needed his toolbox on the roof. Is the antenna okay? He's just putting on some new cables. Won't take a minute. Well, that's good. You know, I think I saw the toolbox. It's, here it uh, is. Ah. Good. Did you need something else, or...? Well, do you have a minute? This is uh, Leatherlip Oakley. His sax solos average about 12 minutes. I got plenty of time. Oh, 
Well, if you have a minute, I was just wondering something. Yeah? Um, this isn't a normal radio station, is it? Oh, that. I mean, I don't want to be insulting. Oh, don't worry, you won't be. Not to me, anyway. It's just, when I used to listen to it on the radio when I was a kid, I thought it was a normal station. And now? Well, it's different. Yeah, that would be the space rock. The what? Have you heard about the great meteorite of 1975? Oh yeah, my dad told me about that. A giant flaming rock fell from the sky, landed right in our lake, about a quarter mile off the beach. Ever since then, we haven't been able to get broadcast from the outside. No TV, no radio, no nothing. What about cable or satellite? Well, cable wasn't even available in the county until the late 80s, and by then folks had kind of gotten used to no TV. Besides, they had us. Us? IBR, Icebox Radio. See, this little station was supposed to be part of a refurbishing effort for the Opera House. When the TV and the other radio got knocked out, we were the only signal in town. So people came down, offered to sing songs, tell stories, poems, whatever. Eventually, it just kind of became a habit for folks to be on the radio. Oh, and everyone listens. That's nice. It didn't hurt that Icebox was always been a little different. People just took to the idea of having their own radio station. And believe me, it's their radio station. If you don't do things just the right way, it causes a huge stink. But you're not local? Oh, no. I've only been here about two years. I was a teacher, got laid off down in the cities, and this was the best gig I could find. Kind of feel lucky I did now. Hmm. Um, one more question. Yes? I noticed this station doesn't have call letters. Is it legal? Oh, that. Well, um, they assure me we have official call letters and a license from the FCC and everything around here somewhere. People just call it IBR because that's what it's always been called. I have no idea what the actual call letters are. You're the station manager, and you don't know what the call letters are? Well, Abby takes care of all the legal stuff. Hey, uh, this song's wrapping up? Right. Sorry. No, no, anytime. I'm glad you're here. Cody seems quite taken with you. He does? As an engineer, I mean. Oh, right. Oh, good afternoon, Dave. I wasn't sure you are coming in today. You knew we were doing one of Barb's plays, right? So you've read it and everything. What did you think? Yeah, me too. Thanks for showing, though. Oh, no, really, I mean it. But how do you know that we can't have a horse on stage until you try? Because I was in a riding club until I was 12. The poor thing would either spook and hurt someone or get bored and start eating the scenery. You were in a riding club? Don't sound so surprised. I'm not. I'm just, you know, managing large animals doesn't seem like the kind of thing you'd be into. And why not? They don't understand English and therefore cannot be argued into submission. Oh, you'd be surprised. I loved horses when I was little. Who doesn't? Oh, hello. Um, I think I've met everyone here but you. Uh... Oh, Jennifer, this is Dave, our sound effects man. Oh, I see. That's why he... he... Uses sound effects, right. It's kind of his trademark. Okay, more of a milieu then. Uh, Cody? Mm-hmm? Does he not talk? What are you talking about? Well, now that introductions are done, can we please get started? Excellent. First off, David, I have some specific sound requests. Can you give me horses arriving? No, no, that's not right. We're in the Old West, not cobblestone streets. Better? Uh, work on that. Um, Miss Barb? Yes, dear girl? 
Will you be needing me? I have some things to do in the office. Oh, not at all. Uh, we might need you to usher once people start arriving. Oh, okay. I have a 40s vintage usherette costume for you. Uh, you better run down to the grocery store and get some hose, dear. A black would work best. Um, are you kidding? Right, right. I'll get the pantyhose. I'm sorry. Did she ask if I were kidding? Be gentle, Barb. She's only been here a day. Oh, you're right, James, as always. Okay, but my name's still not James. Okay, now, our first scene is the Ghost Town Saloon. I thought this play took place in England. Poetic license. Mm, More like poetic license to kill. (laughs) Very clever play on words. Thank you. Now you shut up now. Fine. All right, we begin. Desmond Rood arrives. Howdy, Miss Rosa. Mighty fine herd of cattle you have out on the South 40. Why, Mr. Rude, I do believe you're flirting with me. Just admiring the herd, man. James. The what? That's your line. What? Here? Y- y- yes, you see, I-, I already highlighted it for you. I... I play the cattle herd? No, dear, you play all the livestock. You're so good at those voices. But th- th- this is just a lot of mooing. Well, it's your part, so there you are. Oh, unbelievable. Let's hear one. Yeah, JJ, mm. you do it such a good cow. Yeah, uh, ganging up on me now. Come on, boss. Let's hear it. Unbelievable. All right, back to our scene. The cattle are lowing in the distance. That's you, James. I know, I know. Desmond Rood has come into the saloon, and Rosa leans on the piano waiting for him. David, what do you have for a squeaky saloon door? Excellent. We'll go on that sound. So, Desmond. Me? Yes, you. Go on the squeak. Cue the herd. Wait, oh, off mic, James. You sound like the cow was sitting in my lap. Better. All right, David. Squeak me. Howdy, Miss Rosa. Mighty fine herd of cattle you have out on the South 40. Why, Mr. Rude, I do believe you're flirting with me. What on earth? No, that's the power. Oh, again? I'll get it. I just need to check the breakers. Uh, you told me we replaced them all. We did, when we replaced all the wiring in 1936. 36? Unbelievable. It's okay. Cody will get us back up. Oh, that's me. <laughs> if we're off the air, the calls will start coming in. Right, right. Well, you can't go too. What about rehearsal? Barb, if we can't get back on the air, there won't even be a show. No! Which means we have an extra day to practice before we do the show tomorrow. Oh! <gasps> By Jove, you're right, James. I shall be at my studio redesigning the costumes and adding pieces to the set. Ten four. And see what you can do about finding an actual cow, preferably one that doesn't need to defecate. I will not have my play reduced to a low farce. One cow sans pies. Got it. Excellent. This shall be my greatest work ever. You know, she may be right. Well, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, we dodged a big one. News headlines now from the Radio Icebox News Department. In City Council news, Council voted 5 to nothing in Tuesday's meeting to deny Wilbur Pothatch's request to modify his metal detector with thermonuclear power cells. Wilbur, who has already been cited twice by Icebox police for scouring Alien Beach with dangerous amounts of radiation, said he expected the decision because, quote, genius is never understood in its own time, unquote. 
Wilbur said he will go next to county officials in an attempt to get government approval for his new metal detector, which he claims has the ability to detect footprints, dishonest behavior, marital infidelity, and spiritual awakening, as well as the standard nickels, dimes, quarters, and jewelry. Police have confiscated the metal detector for the time being. Shoefest, the annual festival in celebration of footwear, erupted into violence again this year. The Wooden Clog Liberation Front once again disrupted the merry festival that celebrates all things shoe, with several flashbang grenades, spurts of gunfire, and extensive hostage-taking. Though no one was harmed in this year's protest, Gladys Porter, chair of the Shoefest Committee, says that she and everyone else involved in the event are growing tired of the ongoing turf war over the definition of shoes. The head of the Clog Liberation Front, known only as the Jackal, delivered a videotape to the Radio Icebox studio earlier this day, and we will view it just as soon as we can find a working VCR. And there. Oh, Cody, you're a wizard. You're a wizard and a half. A few fuses, some solder, and it's all in a day's work. And the best thing is, we've delayed our execution by cowboy for another day. Which kind of begs the question... Right, we're going to have to give them a recording. What haven't they heard in a while, Abby? I don't know. What are you in the mood for? Uh, what's the weather going to be like tonight? A little fog off the lake with maybe a chance of thunderstorms after midnight. Aha, I got just the thing. I was going through the archives and I found this show from 2009. Teenage vampires who don't sparkle. Just the thing for a chilly night. You program the station by the weather? You know a better way? If it results in teen vampires, there's got to be a better way. Oh, I remember this one. You'll like it, Abby. You were gone to school when we aired it the first time. Well, if the weather report is stormy and Cody thinks it's a good idea... Settle in. I gotta go live in seven seconds. Okay. Ready on four? Three? Two? Good evening, and welcome to Icebox Radio Playhouse. Due to unforeseen circumstances of which I'm sure most of you are already aware, the mystery of Desmond Rood has been rescheduled for a later date. Stay tuned for a tale almost as horrifying. Nice effects, Cody. A tale of terror to leave you breathless. So cuddle up to your radios, you good people of Icebox, as we bring you an encore presentation of Rachel Adams and Trelawney Irwin starring in Cass and Law. friends. Last year, when I was only 15, I thought I knew Cass as well as I've ever known anyone, as well as I knew myself. We'd been best friends since we were 10. We spent summers together, and she spent Christmas at our house the year her dad went nuts and everything, and we've had more sleepovers than I can count. Our birthdays are only six days apart, so we had together parties most years. I'd say she was like a sister, but I have a sister. Cass was nothing like that. Cass was better. She was my best friend, practically my only friend. That's why I cried so hard the day I had to kill her. There's a crooked little house at the end of a dirt road, about 600 yards through swamp and bramble from the Canadian border. That's where I live. The closest town is 16 miles away. I've walked it four times in my life, and it's not too bad, 
except in winter when the dry, dusty snow blows like sand across the road, making it hard to see where you're going. Cass lived in town, in a big house on a busy street. That's where we met, all those years ago. Her house was a block down from the library. My mom took us to the library a lot. That's a juvenile book, not young adult. She'd spent a lot of time there, too. I'd seen her before. You probably want young adult. The day we met, she was volunteering. I remember thinking that was so weird. A ten-year-old volunteering. No, I want this one. Suit yourself, but the Nightwing series is better. My mother doesn't like adult themes, and I have to write book reports on everything I read. Have to or want to? Have to. We're homeschooled. Oh, then you want Christian fiction. It's along the back. I hated her at first. Not because she made the assumption that homeschoolers would only be interested in Christian fiction, but because she was right. My mother was really only interested in Janet Oak and junk like that. She told us we could read anything we wanted, but I knew the consequences of picking out the wrong thing. Well, if you're sure, I know you're mature enough to understand it. I just suppose you'll have to learn for yourself. That was my mother's way. Everything was educational in our house. Even passive-aggressive abuse was educational. But not long after that first day at the library, I started seeing Cass there every time we went. And we went three times a week, minimum. Finally, one day... Here, don't let your mother see it. What? I can't. It's checked into my car, don't worry. This is a Richard Stride book. This has... There's a sex scene in this. Yeah, on page 237. Why are you doing this to me? All you check out is the kitty horror from Young Adult. Haven't you ever wanted to read something really scary? I didn't want to ask. Is this really scary? But it was out before I could stop it. I got hooked the night I finished it. Read the last 200 pages right in one go. Didn't sleep a wink. I I don't think I should. Yes, you should. And she thrust the book back in my hands. And I looked up at her. Her eyes were so big and beautiful. They were a dark shade of blue I'd never seen in something natural before. Only in plastics and dyes and some of the fabrics my mother used in her sewing. Dark, deep blue that seemed to draw you in. Yes, you should. Draw you in. That was the start of our friendship. Horror novels at the library. Our big secret. It seems kind of stupid now, looking back. I was the oldest of three. My sister Jane is two years younger, and our brother Bobby is four. That meant everything I did was a first time for my mother. She overreacted. A lot. I... I don't think so, honey. I don't think it's safe. And later? I'd... I'd rather you not. I'm, I'm not really comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. The official slogan of our house. And that was the truth. That was what it was all about for Mother. Her comfort. She wasn't comfortable with me sleeping over at Cass's house. She wasn't comfortable with me walking to town. She usually gave in, I'll give her that. But it was never really acceptance. It was this begrudging giving in. Well, I suppose if you feel you have to... It wasn't at all like Cass's house. (laughs) (laughs) Or with Cass's parents, Harold and Madeline. First of all, they wanted me to call them that, Harold and Madeline. And even though I knew they were my mom's age, they seemed a lot younger. 
What's in a name? A rose by any other. Ah, my sweet. <laughs> hmm. Oh, you guys. Oh, we're embarrassing the youngling. Oh, she's 13. That's our job. <laughs> come here. <laughs> oh, if you guys are going to suck face, can Mary and I eat in the porch? Of course. Uh, none for Frodo, though. I know. Come on. Come on. We'll just sit in the rattan. No, Frodo. Sit. Your parents are so affectionate. Please, I'm trying to eat, Mary. Sorry. I just... How old are they? I don't know. 40s, I guess. Hmm. I love it here. Hmm? Um, I said you have a cool house. Uh, yeah, I guess. Do you want to make a movie after dinner? What? I'm a filmmaker. I got a 3CCD Digicam and Final Cut Pro. We can do anything we want, even chroma key. I got this huge green sheet we can hang up and put anything we want in the background. Uh, that sounds like fun. And the last theater my mom worked at let her take a bunch of costumes. We've got pirates and princesses, a few wild Indians. Costumes? Yeah, mom's a costume designer. It doesn't pay much, sure, but dad works steady. He's a writer, right? Yes and no. He's got six books, but the teaching is what keeps feeding us. Six books? You've got way more than that. I've never seen so many books outside the library. <laughs> Sorry, I mean he's written six books. Really? Yeah, the Dark Death series. Kind of goth with a dash of hard fantasy thrown in. They don't really sell very well. Your dad's an author? <laughs> Silly. My dad is Richard Stride. He uses a different name when he writes. Cause, whatever. You mean that book you gave me? With the sex scene on page 237? Yep. It was written by... Oh, Cass! <laughs> Come on. She wasn't kidding about making a movie. Her room was an old sleeping porch, she said. And that meant it was really long and thin. At one end was her bed, but at the other was a bunch of lights and a video camera. And the kind of computer I'd only seen in movies. And action. What do I do? Anything. You wanted to be a robot. Uh, beep. Beep. Beep? <laughs> oh, Mary, this is hysterical. We are totally YouTubing this. Oh, will anyone see it? You never know. You were the perfect robot. I'm calling you LOL from now on. Calling me what? LOL. Star Trek. TNG. You don't? Oh, come on. And that was the moment she gave me my name. I didn't even know who LOL was. So she sat me down in front of her TV and started rifling through these DVDs. And we watched Star Trek. I'd never seen it before, though I had read two or three of the books. This episode was a story of a robot that made a child, a daughter he named Lal. In Hindu, the name means beloved. We sat and watched the episode, and the sun began to set. And thank goodness Cass didn't bother to turn on the lights. She would have seen my tears. Beloved. If I closed my eyes really tight, I could almost believe it. I could almost believe this was my house. I could almost believe she was my sister and her parents were my parents. I could almost believe I was... beloved. After that, I decided to be called Lol all the time. I didn't tell my mother, of course. She wouldn't have understood. Or worse, she would have called it a phase and turned her back on me. She would go back to her sewing, humming songs written decades before she was born. Sometimes I'd sit with her in the sewing room and read, only books she'd approve of, of course, 
and she might ask me a question or two about something, but that was all the interest she'd show. She'd sit there in a dress she'd made herself, a bandana over her hair, singing old songs. It was like she didn't want to be in this century, and maybe when she was sewing like that, she wasn't. Years passed. Mom got used to me having a best friend, or at least I got used to her not approving. Cass and I went on vacations together, me, her, and her parents at the shore. You could ask, you know. That was when we were 14, and Cass was trying to get me to go to public school. I don't have any friends. You have lots of friends. You're pretty. You don't know what it's like. There's all the little cliques, and I don't fit in any of them. You could ask your mom, you know. But I had asked her. Do you want to go to public school now? These are hard years, Mary. Give it a year or two. Meanwhile, my little brother was already making headway into getting into fifth grade. He played hockey, and he already had a lot of friends. And besides... It's different for boys, my mother said, mysteriously. Why can't you just register? She was serious. It wouldn't be that big a deal. You don't know her. You don't know how big she is on this stuff. What stuff? Homeschool. So what? Does she think you're going to get pregnant and be a crack hoe in the first month? I just sat there staring out at the water. I didn't know why Mom didn't want me in public school. Not really. There were vague explanations, but whenever I repeated them to Cass, they sounded so stupid. I looked up at Cass. Those blue eyes, usually so deep, were drilling right into me. I'd never seen her so mad. But she was stuffing it down, stuffing it deep inside. In a minute, I knew she'd turn to me with a bright smile and say something fun like, let's get ice cream and I'd believe that everything was okay. Because she was that good an actress. And because I really wanted to believe that everything was okay. I know. Let's bake brownies. And that was that. That trip was to her family's cabin, by the shore. We shared a bedroom, and we shared the only bed. We used to stay up late, trying to scare each other. Do you ever think there might really be vampires? I'm trying to sleep. No, really. Do you ever think that? Somewhere in the world, there might be real vampires? No, I don't. You've got no imagination. What does imagination have to do with it? There's either vampires or there isn't. Wishing doesn't change anything. I'm not wishing for vampires. I'm just saying. Well, what does my imagination have to do with whether or not something exists? A robot. Go to sleep. Beep, beep, beep. Hey, lol. What? Do you know what my dad does to my mom? Shut up. He beats her. No, he doesn't. They're happy. It's an act. She's in theater, right? It's all an act. See, when my mom was younger, she had an affair. He's never forgiven her. And he's jealous. Stop it. Some nights, I'll hear them arguing. Then... They won't be arguing anymore. Cassandra. Because he shut her up, you know? Please. You know what else? I think she kind of likes it now. I think she likes it when he shuts her up. Hey, what's wrong? Don't tell me this. I don't want to know this. Oh, what's wrong? You're shaking. It's not true. None of it's true. Your parents love each other, and they love you, and he never... Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. It was just an act, I swear. What? You're really scared, aren't you? Lowell, I was just acting. 
Well, don't ever do it again. Oh, you'd rather I be a vampire, eh? Stop it. <laughs> Come here, honey. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> Later that night, I couldn't sleep. Cass was in the bed next to me, sleeping with her hair flowing like water all over the pillow. Like a girl from a vampire movie. Or what I thought a girl from a vampire movie would look like. The truth was, I'd never seen one. I got up and went to the window. The water was out there, black and cold and shimmering under a yellow moon. And I couldn't decide whether Cass was lying to me when she said her father beat her mom, or if she was lying to me when she said he didn't. One was truth, and one was a lie. Which was which? I heard something move on the bed behind me, and I turned to look. Cass was gone. I went to the door, but it was ajar about the same way it had been. Besides, I don't think she would have had time to get to the door. I looked to the closet and saw a thin line of her cotton nightgown through the barely open door. Then I followed the nightgown up to her face, and then... Something... Something was wrong. <laughs> Cass, what's wrong? You, you don't look right. She was staring at me. Only, it wasn't her. Not entirely, anyway. Those blue eyes didn't seem to glow anymore. They seemed to stand out like black pools in the grey darkness of the closet. She almost looked like the aliens on some book covers, her eyes black and deep, and without pupils. <laughs> Cass, please. Come into my closet and I'll tell you all my secrets. Cass, this isn't funny. Who is Cass? I know not of any Cass. Stop it. Do you know the Muffin Man? He lives on Jury Lane. <laughs> Shh! You'll wake your parents. You can't wake what's already dead. <laughs> and then I was awake. I had woken up screaming, and the sun was shining through the windows, and Cass was next to me, still asleep. Have you ever had that? That weird thing when you close your eyes one night, and you open them a second later, and it's day? Just like that? I felt myself scream, but I didn't hear it. Maybe I didn't scream. Maybe I just imagined it, and imagined it so hard my throat hurt. And I didn't know what was real. This moment, the sun shining, the house quiet, or the thing that came before it, Cass in the closet, beckoning me to come in, my heart thumping in my chest, and a word echoing in my ears. It was a strange word to think about on a bright summer morning. Strange and terrible and unreal. The word was... Vampire. I don't know what the big deal is. Six months after the beach. Nothing weird had happened since then, except Cass had a boyfriend. Did you see the way his eyes open up wide when he smiles? He looks like Edward Cullen. You mean Robert Pattison, the actor? <sighs> Whatever, he looks just like him. He looked nothing like him, this boy. But he lived about a mile from my house. And Cass had it in her head that if she could have a sleepover at my place for a change... You'd never know I was gone. Your mom would never... Oh, yes, she would. She would know, and she would take you home, and she would call your mom... Who wouldn't care? And she would forbid us to f see each other. Oh, lol. We'd see each other. Parents always think they can do stuff like that. But they can't. You can start school the next year, and then... I'm not going to public school in the fall. What? I changed my mind. I'm not going. The truth was, I wanted to go more than anything. But I was mad at her then. Furious. 
she was using me to get to Dan Biederman. Come on, at least ask. And I was right. My mother would not allow this. I knew she wouldn't. I knew it. Well, Cassandra's certainly a nice girl, and you've accepted her mother's hospitality enough. I felt a sensation in my stomach like vomit and acid. Maybe it would be nice to entertain her for a change. Oh, no. Why don't you invite her to supper, too? I looked up at my mother. Mary, are you all right? And I threw up all over my dress. The sleepover didn't happen, of course. Mother was concerned Cass might catch something. I was fine. I wasn't sick. I knew I wasn't sick. But that night, I woke up boiling hot. My nightgown was covered in sweat and the sheets were in knots around me. The moon was out and a blue light flooded through my window. When I looked into the shadows, it reminded me of Cass's eyes. That same shade of blue-black that seemed to draw me in. I got up and slipped off my nightgown. It was still hot, still so hot. I lay back down on the bed when... (gasps) Relax, it's me. She'd scared me to death. There she was, outside my window. Cass, with her dark blue eyes. I threw on a nightgown and ran over. What are you doing here? I told my mom the sleepover was still on. How are you feeling? You went to Dan Biederman's house, didn't you? Oh, he was being a jerk. I went to come see you. Let me in. What? You can't. No. My mom will find out. Come on, Lowell. Invite me in. Go home. I can't. It's like 20 miles. Well, then come down to the back door. I'll wake my mom. We'll tell her everything. And she'll give you a ride home. (laughs) I had heard that laugh before, but I couldn't remember where. Don't be stupid. Just invite me in. I took a step back from the window. I don't know why I did that. There was no reason for it. I just... Maybe I was remembering the beach house in the closet. Maybe I hadn't pushed it down into my mind like I thought I had. But there was something different about Cass. Something wrong. I stepped back away from the window and didn't say anything. She watched me for a moment. Well? That was all she said. Just my name. Just once. We stood there looking at each other for a long, long time. I don't even really remember when she left the window. It was just a moment when she wasn't there anymore. I went back to the bed and I lay down. It's funny how sometimes you can just forget things. How the simplest thing slips your mind. I walked into the kitchen once and suddenly couldn't remember which door led to the basement. I forgot how to spell the word the for five minutes. I came to the end of our drive and couldn't remember if town was to the right or to the left. Whenever that stuff happened to me, I always remembered again right away. It was just a temporary brain fart, as Cass's dad would say. It's just that sometimes I forget little things that I should remember. I forgot something that night. Something I should have remembered from the beginning. Something so obvious and basic and terrible. I should have remembered right away. You see, I was so upset about Cass being there. So afraid my mom would find out, so weirded out by the whole thing, that I forgot a simple fact about the landscape of my life. Our house is a plain box structure with a peaked roof. There are no eaves, no ornamentation, no trees within 20 feet. My mother had a horrible fear of a windstorm knocking a tree into our house. And outside my window, 
the window where I just had a conversation with my best friend. My window that had no window box, no ledge. Outside my window was a sheer drop of 30 feet. I was cold the rest of that night. I put my nightgown and the covers back on and another blanket besides, but I was still cold. That was good. They say cold aids the mind, and I did a lot of thinking. One eye peeled on my window, waiting for a face or the sun to fill it. And I thought about Cass, and about what she'd said. She'd been so eager for me to invite her in. She could have just climbed in. I wouldn't have stopped her. She should have known that. But that was the thing. She wanted me to invite her. She wanted me to invite her into my room. And about 6am, I realized why that was important. You probably already know why. A vampire cannot enter a house by her own free will. She has to be invited. We didn't talk for weeks after that. I think she was tied up with Dan Biederman, and I didn't care one way or the other. The cold came, winter, long nights. And finally, one day in January... Mary! Phone! I think it's Cassandra! Hello? Lol? Hi. Jeez, you might say hello. Hello, Cass. Hey, you wanna get together? It's been like forever. What about Dan? Dan? Oh, don't be silly. We were over weeks ago. I just... I miss you. Lol? Is everything okay? Why don't you come over? Are you... inviting me? Yes. I'm inviting you. Okay, let me check with my mom. Something changed in her voice. If I didn't know her quite as well, I probably would have missed it. But I heard the change. A kind of hunger came into it. She came over, all right. In 20 minutes, she was at my doorway with a sleeping bag under her arm. Hi. Hi. I'm so sorry I was such a jerk. He totally wasn't worth it. That's okay. Never again, right? Never over a boy. Never over a boy. She came in. Had I invited her? I couldn't remember. But in five minutes, she was just like she'd always been. Bubbly, cheerful, laughing. And I was watching her. It was like I wasn't even in the room. Like I'd left my body behind and was floating above us. Watching. Observing. I kept very, very still. Like Cass was a bird that had landed next to me and I was afraid she would fly away. Are you all right? What? You just seem really out of it. I'm just tired. Oh well, it's 9.30. Since we have no TV, I guess. Would you mind? No, I'll tell ghost stories and maybe tell about Dan. Dan? You know, I mean, we were going out for two months. We got ready for bed. I said my goodnights to mom. Cass's sleeping bag stayed rolled up in the corner. My bed was just big enough for the two of us to fit. And the second the lights went out... He really is good-looking, you know. And he was so she nice began to talk. I let her talk like about Dan, about the things they had done together. So I suppose she expected me to be shocked. <laughs> you don't think I'm a slut, do you? No, I don't. And I didn't. I really didn't. Cass wasn't really a person to me anymore. So what she did with a boy didn't seem to matter. 
she was a I don't know what she was but as I listened to her prattle on I began to get interested I rolled over and looked at her our faces were only inches apart and she kept talking and because she was so close I could really see her for the first time I could take my time and linger over her face I'd never noticed before how her ears turned up slightly at the tips how her cheeks and eyebrows were so thin and angular and her teeth were were they just a little pointed a little sharp i couldn't tell i really couldn't lol mal uh, what <laughs> you're creeping me out uh, sorry I-, I was just <laughs> you were looking at me like i was dessert that's what you were doing you haven't gone all amazon cooped up in here have you because i like you and everything but cassandra do you believe in vampires what cuz i do I've met one. Okay. Wait. I know what this is. One was in this room, almost. This is you trying to scare me for a change. But I wouldn't invite it in. That's right, isn't it? You have to invite a vampire in or it can't enter. Well, you you really did it. I'm really freaked out. So why don't I kind of wished I'd invited her in, you know? Why don't we just turn the lights, okay? Cuz that's why those stories are so popular. Transformation. You can change. Do you believe in change, Cass? Turn on the lights, Lol. Do you think you can really, really become something else? Mary, turn on the lights. Cuz I believe if you want it bad enough. Lol. Lol. Cassandra doesn't come around anymore. We don't really talk. In my new home, I can only have visitors from 4 to 6. How are you today, Mary? Mom comes most days. Uh, I brought you some cookies, but they they took them at the desk. They weren't sure how they would react with your medication. Mom pays a lot of attention to me now. On days she comes, I sleep really well. And I made you a new jumper, see? When she doesn't come, I spend most nights in a chair, looking out my window. It's on the 4th floor, you know. I'm just I'm so happy to see you, Mary. But I like mom's visits. You know, don't you? You're my beloved. My beloved. They're my very favorite times. And I don't miss Cass at all. Well, maybe a little. Maybe just her flavor. Cass and Lol. Star Trelawney Irwin as Lol and Rachel Adams as Cassandra. Ayla McIntosh played Mary's mother. Cass's parents were played by Jim Yount and Victoria Olson. Additional voices provided by Jeffrey Adams and Dave Irwin. written and directed by Jeffrey Adams, sound effects realized by David Irwin. Cass and Lol is copyright 2009 by the Icebox Radio Theater.
on the web at iceboxradio.org. Down here. There you are. I lost you. Sorry. Still the fuse box? I just don't understand it. It shouldn't have failed the way it did. Well, yeah, but like you said, the wiring in this building is pretty old. That's what concerns me. When the wiring in this building fails, there's usually outward signs. Scorch marks, smoke, fire engines in the parking lot, things like that. Lovely. This just stopped working. It's weird. Well, why don't you go home and get some sleep? Can't. I'm actually on the air until two, which reminds me. I need to get upstairs. The record's almost finished. Would you stay down here and take a look at this for me? Sure. I can give it a peek. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, Jennifer. You have no idea how good it is to have someone to talk to. It's me. Yeah, this situation is more complicated than we thought. I know, I know. But I'm going to need more than a week to figure out what's going on here. (sighs) Can I have three weeks? Fine, but you tell Command that this job is going to take time. No, I'm not getting personally involved. Don't worry. When the time comes, these people will be dealt with. just heard Welcome to Town, the premiere episode of Radio Icebox. Featured in your cast were Ayla McIntosh as Abby, Jeffrey Adams as JJ, Cody Boyer was Cody, Scotta Turner played Jennifer, Dave Irwin played Dave, and Victoria Olson was Barr. The play Cass and Law was originally produced in 2009 by the Icebox Radio Theater, copyright that year. Script and post-production by Jeffrey Adams. The song Wishing Well, written and performed by the band Paper Parlor, is from their self-titled CD, available on iTunes. You can learn more about them on the web at paperparlor.bandcamp.com. This program copyright 2015 by the Icebox Radio Theater, International Falls, Minnesota. This season of Radio Icebox is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Arrowhead Regional Arts Council thanks to appropriations from the Minnesota State Legislature's General Arts and Cultural Heritage Funds. That brings us to the end of this week's show, but not to the end of Jack Ward's birthday. So, from all of us here at the Sonic Society... We'd like to wish you, Jack, a very, very happy birthday. And from me, David Alt, good night.
The Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mutual. Happy birthday to you. And many more. (laughs) This was not only a birthday greeting for the Mutual Audio Network, which, as you may know, has been bringing you the finest in audio drama for just a little more than one year. It was also a way of letting you know how long 20 seconds are. Why should you know it? Because the CDC recommends, during this COVID-19 situation, that you and me and everybody wash our hands with soap and water as often as possible for at least 20 seconds. So get all of your fingers, get the palms, get the backs of your hands, and a little bit up your wrists, and make sure you change out your towels more frequently as well. If it helps to sing Happy Birthday or some other song, as you do so, why not? This was a public service announcement from the Mutual Audio Network.